Hey there, and welcome back to On Your Terms. I'm your host, Dan Vanderweelen. I am so excited to chat with you this week with one of my friends and also one of my colleagues who I actually have hired in my own business to help my, my own business with HR, Kira LaForgia of Paradigm Consulting. Um, I'm so excited. I brought in Kira today because I wanted to talk with you about the HR perspective. So the hiring contractors, hiring employees, what are some of these compliance issues we need to know about? How do we grow a team? Like I've heard Kira, for example, talk so much about how growing a team actually helps you to grow your business and, and become more profitable. And I, I really wanted to dig into how that actually works in theory, right? Because we can hear people say this kind of stuff, but I really wanted to share with you today how building a team is one way that you can scale your business. But more importantly to me, I would say is that hiring people in my business has made me feel so supported and has made me definitely have like a different lifestyle and approach to my business than I would have. So, you know, maybe even hiring brings down your profit margins, but your life gets better. And that's pretty darn important. If you ask me, it's not always about profit in my opinion. So I wanted to bring in an expert. Kira has worked in HR. Now she helps online businesses in HR. I just Really wanted to bring in someone who knows her stuff um, like Kira does. And I'm so excited for you to listen to this conversation between the two of us. If you like our conversation today, please go ahead and leave a review or give us however many stars you want to give us wherever you listen um, to your podcast. Please go ahead and text this episode to a friend if you think that they would find it helpful or post on that group that you're in or whatever it is. It's so helpful in helping us to spread the word about On Your Terms. With that, I want to introduce to you Kira LaForgia. So after hiring, managing, and leading hundreds of employees in the small business space for over a decade, Kira began helping other women with remote teams prepare for growth and team support. Paradigm Consulting, an HR and people operations consultancy, is on a mission to empower women to lead lean teams while building authentic relationships and staying compliant along the way. We believe female business owners can impact not only the lives of their teams, but the landscape of work for all women, creating a more equal playing field and earning more women a seat at the table once and for all. So that is Paradigm. That is a little bit about Kira. With that, let's hop into our conversation. I would definitely get a little something ready to write with. Otherwise, enjoy this on your walk. Take notes later. Um, I hope you enjoy this episode and I'll see you on the other side. Hey, Kira, welcome to On Your Terms. Hey, thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you. I'm so excited to have you. Um, so will you let everybody know a little bit about who you are and what you do before we hop in? Yeah, so, well, I'm Kira and <laughs> I founded Paradigm People Operations Consulting just goes by paradigm for short. A couple of years ago, as a response to the need for online-based businesses or small businesses to be able to develop multi-state teams to kind of help educate people on what it's like to be a true manager and leader of teams, especially in the online spaces, everyone's businesses are growing super fast. And most importantly, to keep people compliant so that we can continue to have businesses and keep more women in the position of being bosses and making money so we can make real changes in the world. <laughs> I love that. I love what you do. And it, you know, it's so similar to what we do here too, because you're helping people to understand, like we were talking before we started recording about how, you know, in case everyone's not aware, there are sets of laws and there are things that apply to all of us, <laughs> no matter where you live and what kind of business you have and whether you have a bakery or an online business or whatever, right? There's all these things. But for some reason, it does seem like 
there's this like weird myth about online business, right? That we can somehow treat things differently, like hire people differently or like not be uh, like fall under certain laws, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that that comes up a lot in conversations, especially with, I think business owners that have been super creative or have creative businesses that maybe have worked as employees, but in more of an agency setting mm-hmm. where it felt very creative and free flowing or even business owners that have been freelancing for a long time and maybe are disconnected from the employer employee space. And so a lot of online businesses are identified as creative businesses. And so then why would they have gone to get their master's in Mm. organizational management or HR or go to law school or whatever? So I think, you know, we won't always want to move away from the demonization of traditional education or anything like that, because we do need people like you and I to kind of set that foundation for everyone else that's super creative and fun to go and like do their things. Well, creative is hard too, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) and I think that that's where it gets kind of stuck is that people get a little bit ashamed of what they don't know. Mm. And there's no reason for that. Like I learn new stuff every single day, but I think the big thing is we just want people to understand that they're not supposed to know. And that's why we're here. Exactly. We can help them. Yeah, exactly. Like I always say that there's no reason that you should know how to write a contract if you didn't go to law school. Like I wouldn't have known that before I did. So ain't no Mm -hmm. shame. It's totally fine. Um, But -hmm. I think that like even just everyone knowing too that like, you know, a lot of my job is just bringing awareness to, to the legal stuff about online business and like, yes, this stuff applies to you. Yes, you have to be aware of it. Like you're just, you're not falling under some like weird exception that doesn't exist. And same goes for Kira and what she does, right? And so I think that you know, today we're going to talk about both from like the contractor's perspective and employee's perspective, because a lot of our people are more in the beginning of their business building journey and they might be thinking they have to hire a contractor first or that's what they can swing. So I thought it'd be so helpful if you kick things off where um, if everybody listened to episode 64 of of my podcast, um, then I just had an episode about the legal difference between a contractor and an employee, which is super important for you to know. But can you give us your breakdown on the differences? And I, I just think it's so helpful for them to hear it from another perspective. Yeah. I mean, of course, this conversation can go on forever yeah. because there are definitely states that have more regulations and more laws, which I'm sure you dug into in your podcast episode. But I think that the big thing is that when it comes to figuring out what your business needs, whether it's a contractor or an employee, it really is about you as as a leader and a manager and what your business actually needs. So sometimes people find a little bit of relief in knowing that their business is going to tell them their business and what the business is having gaps in or where they're missing things or where they're not excelling in the best ways there, that's going to tell you what type of position you need to fill, meaning like the job description and the duties, or maybe there's two different jobs going on in the same thing or, or like that can be combined or whatever, but it's going to tell you whether it's an employee or contractor, it's not necessarily going to be something you get to decide. But if you're, you know, to your point, like if you're just first starting out and you're thinking that you might need a contractor, there are cases when you skip over that altogether. So especially when you're in really specialized fields and you know that you need somebody to come in that's not just doing admin work, but they're actually adding value to whatever area that you're providing. Like for example, for me, my first employee had to be an employee because they're an HR specialist. So it's very unlikely that I would be able to bring someone in, train them, have them be in the day-to-day operations of the business and not find any situation in which they would be (laughs) an employee. They always had to be. So I think that that's one thing that people get confused with is that laws are just laws and Sam and I didn't make them up. 
No, um, I cannot but do Blanche. If you, <laughs> if you really want to do what's right for you and your business, then you have to let your business tell you mm-hmm. what it needs. And then you can go and figure out how it should be classified. Um, if it gets to the point where you have to write a job description for it, and it's not just a list of list of administrative tasks, then it's an employee. We don't mm. provide job descriptions for contractors. They tell us what they can do mm. and then we pay them. So we don't have to be as responsible for their day-to-day activities or their schedules or anything like that. It's less of, I don't get to be responsible for when they work and more of, I don't want to manage all of that in somebody right now. I just need some extra task help or some administrative stuff done or something super specialized, like a, you know, accountant or something like that. That's not in the day to day. But I think people get confused that they think they get to choose, (laughs) you know, like I think this will be a contractor. That sounds a little easier. It's like, well, not really. (laughs) That's a really good point. I do. I do think people are thinking about it as a choice from like a budget perspective or like time perspective. But I mean, I talked about in episode 64 about so many different factors, but like, obviously the control factor is huge because I also Mm -hmm. have like, I've had friends who have been like, well, I need to have somebody who's like, butt in seat from nine to noon every day or something like this. And it's like, well, then that's going to be an issue, right? When it comes to contractors. Mm-hmm. So that's again, another thing where it's like, you don't get to decide, do I want to hire this person, have them work that way and like call them a contractor. I think that's mm-hmm. just like where so many people in the online space get this stuff confused. Just like everything that I do. I just, I think there's like so much bad advice out there about this. Um, one of the, I, just something you mentioned to reminded me of something I, I talked about in that episode where it was like, maybe the person is so specialized, like that the whole point with a contractor in my mind is that like, I can't control them because I don't know how to do their job. Like if I hire someone yeah. to do my website, for example, like the whole point is that I'm hiring them and I'm being like, here, I need a new website. Like if <laughs> yeah. I knew how to do it myself, I would do it. But the whole yeah. point is that they're the expert and they're just doing like one mm-hmm. specific task and they're in and they're out and they do that for other businesses. They have their own business. Like all of those things help to support the like contractor role, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that's one of the bigger things too, is that we'll often, I mean, I think in our industries, it's really easy for us to be like, yeah, we are all, almost always going to be considered a contractor if we're hired for one-on-one work, because that's the way our businesses are built as consultants. Um, it is possible to have employees within your business where their title is a consultant, mm-hmm. where that's like the way that we structure our scaling opportunities or whatever. But realistically, consulting all of that stuff should generally be someone that you're hiring as a contractor. So my clients are not going to hop into our meetings and think that they can tell me when our deadlines are or what, you know, whatever, whenever they want me to be available or whatever the case may be. I've got 10 other businesses we're working with and we make commitments with, through our contracts, through legal contracts about what our expectations are. So the contracts or, you know, the relationships really do come back to the contract. So it comes back to the legal side of things. So not only as a freelancer or a business owner, or somebody first starting out, but one of the things I always say is let the freelancers be free. Like if you have to treat your contractors the way that you want to be treated as a business owner, Mm. we don't want people to be acting like we're their employees when we don't expect our contractors to act that way. You know, like it's not necessarily going to work. And being able to set those expectations is a really important component of just having boundaries in general, Mm -hmm. Um, but also to the understanding of what these roles should look like on a day-to-day. Totally. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up the contract piece because it reminds me of like something I say a lot of times about like disclaimers when people will say like, 
but I have in my contract that it says that they understand I'm not their doctor, their lawyer, their accountant, their HR, whatever. And then they're like, but then they go out and give that advice like out of scope. And so it's very similar from the HR perspective that like people will often say to me, well, I'm treating them like an employee, but don't worry, I had them sign a contractor agreement. And it's like, that's not going to matter at all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, that's not going to help you. If you're treating them like an employee, like you're still going to get nailed. So it's, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up. It's really important. Um, I think that it would be really helpful to dive in a little bit of like, who is often the first hire that someone with our kinds of businesses needs to make and why, like, how can they go about figuring out their first hire, whether it's a contractor or an employee? Yeah. I mean, I think generally administrative tasks, Mm -hmm. um, like client service, customer service, depending on if you have courses or if you have programs or whatever, those things are always great to get off your plate because they might look like a quick five minute thing for you. But if you're able to actually have that be something that's not taking up any brain space, it saves you a lot of room and it gives you a little bit more white space to be an actual leader. Um, and it also gives sense of professionalism when you have someone on your team that can help you with administrative work. I think that one big mistake people make is that they misconstrue what operations is Mm -hmm. with customer service or admin admin work. So I would say just be cognizant of that because there may be situations where you... I I think that probably the most common first employee hire is some sort of operations or marketing assistant or coordinator, um, kind of dipping your toe into being able to rely on someone. Usually there's lots of growth opportunity, um, but you have to be really, really clear on what that job description is and making sure that you're paying them fairly. Because if the job description just has a bunch of administrative tasks that are just kind of checked off on a weekly basis, then why would you need to hire an operations person that's going to have a little bit more strategic experience and upward growth mobility? You can probably save yourself a lot of money by just having a VA. Mm. So I think a big misconstruing of things is usually when people are thinking, I'm just telling everyone to hire an employee. When I'm really like, no, I every answer is always, it depends. And also I have four more follow-up questions. And also like, I'm actually going to give you the advice that's going to save you money. Because at the end of the day, this is a business. Like we're trying to be strategic about your business and your margins and things like that. So it's really hard to say what each business might have their first person look like, but it's usually in the realm of getting tasks off your, off your hands. Usually it's something entry level that can grow. Um, and if you've never delegated anything before, I would go with something Mm. like super low key, like something that you're not super committed to. So you can start to practice actually delegating those tasks and putting together those SOPs that, that you really need. And, not like feeling like you have to jump in full swing right off the bat for stuff like that. But you never know. Cause I know sometimes your first employee is much more high level because you've already been kind of doing a lot of the delegation and you needed to bring something more high level in. So I never want to give like super blanket advice, but also just to say like, don't be afraid to like, I don't want to say waste money, but like, don't be afraid of like wasting a few hundred dollars to practice on the delegating side of things and figure out where you really need help. And you know, actually putting some money where your mouth is, I guess. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And I I do feel like most people end up hiring what they call a VA, but I would love mm-hmm. for you to speak to like a common, I don't want to say mistake, but trend that I see um, that people will hire a VA and they'd be like, my VA is great. She does my Pinterest strategy, all of my social comments. She answers my emails. She books my things. <laughs> she like, I'm like, oh my goodness, what does this person not do? So yeah. um, can you talk a little bit about that and maybe like, how do, how does somebody get very clear on what exactly they're hiring for? Yeah. I mean, of course it's, it, 
it takes a lot. Like I would generally say that the first thing you want to do is look at what you're offering and how you're making money Mm. and look at a position that's actually going to create ROI either with a freedom of time on your end or actual, like somebody that's bringing in money by doing outreach or PR or, you know, something along those lines. Um, when it comes to VAs, I feel like I'm just constantly advocating for the rights of VAs because Uh, they're so mistreated. Um, and so I love looking for ops people or marketing assistants that were once VAs because they're Mm -hmm. likely going to have a really high level overview of a lot of different things in business because they've probably been mistreated for many years based on whatever businesses they've worked for, especially in the online space. But I think the biggest difference for between a VA and an employee, like in an assistant role is that when it comes to having a VA, you can't really have them be on a deadline or a time crunch. So you could say something along the lines of, oh, I need all my customer service emails answered on Fridays. And so hopefully you can send have like an autoresponder or something that's like, we respond to everything by Friday afternoon. Like if there's not a real huge emergency, like if your business doesn't have huge emergencies, then you can definitely wait till Friday. So then you can kind of stretch that job description a little bit to get a little bit more for your money because you're not providing, but there's something at, at you know that goes away because you're not providing this exceptional customer service experience that's like on demand, reply right away, you know, that kind of a thing. We can actually give pretty good customer service, even if there is a little bit of a delay, as long as we're setting those expectations. Mm -hmm. So your VA can go a long way and you won't be exploiting them and you'll be able to work with whatever schedule they are doing. Um, If you feel like you have deadlines that are less than two weeks, then it's probably not going to be a good fit for a VA. Um, but especially if there's a lot of replicable things coming up over and over and over again, then, or you hire a really specialized VA, like a tech VA, for example, Mm. we love those. Um, they'll have access to a few things, but they're not really going to be a risk to hire because they're not going to be taking all of your content and running with it. Mm. Or you're not gonna have to worry too much about intellectual property because they're, they're like, you know, in all of your systems that are super complicated. Um, and a lot of times those really, really specialized VAs can go a really long way. Mm -hmm. But if you're looking for something that's more entry level, like you're like, Oh, I only really need like five hours a week or so then try starting with somebody that you are building your systems around giving them their own schedule. So there isn't going to be that crossover of like, I control your time, but instead here's a list of tasks I need done bi-weekly or weekly make sure they all get done and then reverse engineer that with your clients or your products so that they have their expectations set. Now, some people are going to have like four, five, six, seven hundred 700 people in their programs and maybe their clients are not going to be super happy with waiting a week to get a response or whatever. In which case, I mean, if you have that many clients, you probably should have an employee anyways because mm-hmm. customer service does matter. But it's not the same thing as operations. So just mm-hmm. think, keeping that in mind. Those yeah. are two totally different fields. Yeah, that those are such good um, tips. And that that was something I invested in very early with Leanne. Shout out to Leanne. Um, I love her dearly and she's amazing. And she um, she was my actual first hire as a VA. I actually treated her like a VA. And um, she was providing customer service when at that time, I don't know, we probably had, like you said, probably four to 600, 700 people in my, in my product, my main product, the bundle. And it was a lot of customer service stuff to answer, but she, I, I just wanted to say that because I didn't realize like, and I think a lot of people could probably relate to this. Like if you're a coach or something, we think of the service as like answering, you know, the legal question, answering the business coaching question, answering the HR thing. But people, first of all, people in my community love Leanne. They've like all become, they all like know her now, um, but they love like feeling so taken care of. Like she really takes care of people and 
for somebody also to provide great service of like, here's this resource I found for you. Or like, here's like, you couldn't log in. You were having access. People make suggestions on feature requests that we could improve on the bundle. And Leanne sends them a Starbucks gift card. It's just like these little cute ways where we can like add to someone's day. And I, I just mm-hmm. had never thought about that until I had Leanne. And I'm, and mm-hmm. I'm glad that I invested in that early. So I, I wanted to, to, to share that in case that's helpful to anybody. Um, I think that it would be so helpful too to talk about like how I, I think a lot of people get stuck on the timing of when to hire this person, whatever it's going mm-hmm. to be. And how do you know like who you need to hire when uh, and and what, how does timing play into this and how budget is, is a part of that too? Yeah. I mean, I think that the first thing is that there is a huge misconception about how much employees actually cost. Yeah. So you can actually get a a position filled for 20 hours a week for someone that you might be spending a little bit of time training. They're not going to come in, you know, with like eight certifications and a legal degree or whatever. Um, but somebody that's going to be a little bit more entry level that might grow with you for a really great salary of like 20, $25 an hour for 20 hours a week. And you're looking at paying somebody way less than you would actually think. I mean, realistically, 20 hours a week at 20 bucks an hour is $400. Mm-hmm. So for many of us, of course, we add on payroll and taxes and stuff like that, compliance issues, whatever. But those are usually like one and done. You just kind of get it sorted and then accumulate that as part or kind of roll it all in with your taxes. But it's not like you hire an employee that's full-time that's $80,000 a year. Like you can hire part-time employees that are going to get means to an end, especially if you have a business that requires quick turnaround on things, or like you mentioned, the client experience and the customer experience is a super high priority for you, or you know that you are maybe a content creator. So you're coming out with a blog every single day and you Mm. always need graphics to be turned around, or you are, you have boundaries against social media. So you need people to be in there engaging for you or, you know, whatever your situation is, it's not like it's, you know, ridiculously $100,000 a year expensive to hire somebody. Of course, you do get what you pay for. So whether you're paying them in time or money, you can develop people into a role. You can offload lots of tasks. You can set a budget for yourself and then stay within that and have an employee. Mm -hmm. So I do think that there is a misconception between people saying, well, I can't afford an employee right now versus I'm going to go pay for a contractor where contractors are highly specialized and often will cost you a lot more. Mm -hmm. So realistically, like understanding that I think VAs are an exception, but a lot of amazing VAs cost significantly more than a part-time employee. And for some businesses, that's going to be totally fine because that's what the business needs them to do, whatever is within the confines of the legal structure of their contract. But there is going to be a case where you're like, oh, well, you know, perhaps you're really busy or you have a second job or there are deadlines that you need to hit because of the nature of your business. Those are all going to be things that an employee will help you do and help you meet. So sacrificing some of those needs because you have a misconception that it's going to be so much more money or whatever the case may be, isn't really serving your business at all. You're Mm -hmm. actually just kind of putting yourself into a situation that is usually not sustainable and it's probably wasting time. Like it's usually a better fit to be like, I already know what I need. I'm a really busy mom. I work every day from nine to one and I want my person to be on the computer at the same time as me or I want them to be local so that I can check in with them in my time zone or you know whatever these situations may be. That is all going to be based on who you are as a business owner and 
and what your business needs. But what your business needs is usually a reflection of what you need. So Mm. this is when we want to like really center the CEO into what they want it to look like every day in their business. So if your day-to-day life in like direct answer to your question is not what you want it to look like as CEO, and you know that you have growth and you know that there's you have big goals for your business and you're not just in maintenance mode, then it's time to start thinking about bringing in some type of human resource to help you to get to those goals or to get you some free time. Or maybe you just really like to collaborate with people and it'd be really nice to be able to bounce ideas off of somebody that is within the the structure of your business. I know that means a lot to me. I know that means Mm -hmm. a lot to you. And you just kind of get to a point where you're like, I'm not enjoying this work anymore, but I would be if I could do it in this way. And Mm -hmm. then you can actually take control of that. And that's worth so much. I mean, just being able to it makes it more sustainable. It gives you the opportunity to be able to show up the way that you want to show up. And so the quality of work will go up on every side. Um, and usually if you find the right person, then your team will respond to it and they'll be in a great zone for them. And then it just kind of puts a lot more positivity out there in the world in general, which is great because we are tired. So. Yeah, everybody is tired. <laughs> and the growth comes really fast. I would say most of the time mm. when we have people that come in on our services, normally we do a 90-day contract they'll generally get their first person hired, which is who they came to us for. And then almost always before the end of the 90 days, they realize how attainable it was and how using the strategy to like find the right person and create the right job leads to that next hire being so attainable and so exciting. And then you start to see them build a culture and it's just really satisfying to see because almost all of them have at least two people on their team when they were like, I just need the one and I want to do it right. And I'm not here to pressure you for it, but it is so exciting to see how their mind starts to expand and you start to see the potential for your business and your life and your balance and your health even. Like all these things start to really fall into play when you allow yourself to get the help that you deserve. Totally. And you guys were so helpful for me with that when I worked with you and now I'm continuing to work with you. But I mean, like when I started, it was to find Lindsay, who shout out to Lindsay. Um, <laughs> Lindsay Lindsay's forced to listen to this, which she can she can listen because she's a full-time employee. So hey Lindsay. Big fan. Big I know. fan of Lindsay. Yeah, we're all we're all big fans of Lindsay. I don't shut up about it. I'm like, have I told you about Lindsay yet? Um, I always tell her, like, all you have to do is listen to my stuff to hear me talk about you all the time. She's amazing. But that was my first employee hire. But I know like when we, when we started out, like it was important to me, like you were talking about like what was going on for, for the CEO and kind of the culture, the feeling more that I was going for. And I know for me, probably maybe anybody else who's ever had like a sports background or something, it was really like, I was really missing this kind of like team aspect of it. Like I didn't want to co-own my business with anyone, but I wanted to feel like I was like in it with other people and like the buy-in that I've gotten from having employees, uh, has been a very like interesting, like surprising, I guess, side effect of it that I didn't expect. And it just feels really good. So I can imagine a lot of other people like thinking, thinking about that part, but also what you were, you were, so when you were talking about the cost of like people have this misconception about the cost and all this good stuff, I think what you're talking about is that the fact that you can hire employees either as as hourly, which makes them non-exempt, or as a full-time employee, which uh, they can either be exempt or non-exempt, but uh, which means that they get overtime pay and all this good stuff. So I think just breaking that down so people understand that there are two different ways to hire an employee, like you were saying. Yeah. And we have a blog post on this too, because it can get a little like nitty gritty. So I can share that as well. But because it's one of the biggest questions that we get, a lot of times people will hold themselves back because they just assume that an employee is full-time salary. They have the same thing every month, like whatever. And that is 
crazy, like overwhelming and also expensive at times for, especially for a first kind of go at it, but they're non-exempt and exempt is the legal term between if somebody is allowed to receive overtime or not getting overtime and there, but there is a couple of other layers to that too. So part-time and full-time is really more of an internal classification that we use in order to dictate what type of internal benefits somebody gets or perks that they might get or access that they might get. So employees have different levels of kind of, I don't want to say consumption, but for some reason, that's the word that I'm coming to this consumption of the business. So what we're offering to our team and what they have access to and what they're available to have and what we're paying for. um, There are a few benefits that are never going to be able to be different for each person. One being a retirement account of 401k, the FTC just doesn't, or the FEC or the SEC or one of the C's doesn't allow (laughs) for us to (laughs) like actually choose, well, you're more valuable. So I'm going to give you a bigger match or, you know, whatever the case may be, but almost, I mean, maybe every single other, I can't think of one right now that isn't every single other benefit or perk can be based on the employee. Mm -hmm. So realistically, we want to create a situation where everybody feels like everyone's being treated equally and fairly. And there's a lot of attention towards making sure that people feel like it's equitable and that we're allowing diverse employees to get the same benefits as others and things like that. But realistically, the job is going to be able to tell you whether it's part-time or full-time. And then you're going to be able to dictate that back out into the world for what you need of your, from your team member. Mm. So when we we have the part-time, we have the full-time, but we get to decide what that looks like and what is what comes as the result of being one of those statuses within our company culture and our company policies. Um, we have the non-exempt versus exempt, which the biggest difference with that is going to be more of a salaried versus a non-salaried or hourly employee. Because salaried employees will have a minimum of amount of money that they have to make based on where they live. Mm-hmm. So in some states, it's as low as $684, which is the federal minimum salary requirement, which essentially means that we can have them working any number of hours, even over 40, um, for this pay legally, we're allowed to ask that of them. However, in some states like New York and California, they're going to be really different. So our minimum salary requirement is twice that. It's almost $1,200 here in California per week. So you're not going to be able to just tell someone, oh, I'm going to pay you a salary of $500 per week. In every single state, that's going to be illegal. It doesn't even meet minimum wage for salary requirements. So most of the time, what we're going to have to do is figure out how many hours of work that they need to be doing, what your budget is, and then kind of reverse engineer that job description to make sure that it makes sense for the title and then take the title and go do a compensation analysis for what's competitive in the marketplace. So this is where we will see a lot of areas where we, on one hand, it's like, we can be creative and do whatever we want. We can create a job that is within your budget, that is paying them what they need to be paid, all of that good stuff. If you can only afford $500 a week, that's what we're going to build. We're going to build a position that will allow you to hire somebody that's going to cost you no more than $500 a week or $400 a week or whatever your budget happens to be. But we can't call it a salary or we can't call it an exempt employee. So we do want to... And then based on even down to the county, there's compliance issues with how much people are getting paid. So I don't want to freak anyone out, but just keep in mind that that's why you need HR. (laughs) So it's important. Paid attention to that. Um, And then taking it one step further is whatever standard that you are setting within your company for that job title or that job description is essentially setting a precedent for what the person that replaces them is going to be paid as well. Hmm. So realistically, it can be very problematic to have somebody on your team that is mistitled. So essentially, if they're going through and doing their job, but then they keep 
Like maybe you're not necessarily doing a lot of checking in with them or doing performance metrics reviews or, and their job title is staying the same, but their job duties are getting really, really, really long. And it's a total mismatch. Um, or what I see a lot in the online space is an inflation of titles. So you'll yeah. have somebody that's really doing ops coordination work where they're called the director of operations. So now you go and try to replace that person because it's totally fine to replace people. Employee turnover is normal. If you don't have employee turnover, turnover, great job for you. But that doesn't always mean that you're a great boss. Sometimes mm-hmm. it just means that you pay people a lot of money to be mistreated. <laughs> just say. Um, but realistically, you could have a situation where you bring somebody in and they are applying for a director of operations position. And then they're going to demand a much higher salary because those are the applicants that you're getting. Yeah. So it's really important to make sure that your job title and your job duties kind of work really well together. Because let's say, for example, the opposite case happens and you're undervaluing the position and then somebody comes on board and the thing is, the job is way out of scope for anything that they understand or it's way, it should be higher priced or, you know, whatever the case may be, then you're going to end up with really unhappy employees that are completely mismatched for what they went through the application period for. Mm. So I know that we throw around like, there's a trend for people to do like weird titles, like chief fun officer as Mm -hmm. crap like that. And it's like, okay, cool. But like, can you tell me what the actual job title is? Because it could end up being a really weird situation. If you're offering the chief fun officer that used to be a white man making $150,000 a year to now a black woman comes in and you're like, well, there is no comp out there. So I'm going to offer you $60,000 a year. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a much bigger issue than a lawsuit. Like you're mm-hmm. likely going to be written about in all the journals and newsletters yeah. I read. So, <laughs> yeah, not in a good and, way. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this is all hypothetical, of course, you know, mm-hmm. I would never like say anything real. Um, but, you yeah. know, realistically, we want to make sure that there is a solid alignment that starts with your budget. Mm. And from there, you kind of have to go back and forth with the job description, but prioritizing what your budget is. Because if you don't stick with your budget, then you aren't going to have a business model that's sustainable. Yeah. How do people budget for, for how long, like how far out should they budget for when thinking about this? This is a tricky question because I know that there are some business owners like you who were super cautious (laughs) and wanted to make sure that you were like, I don't care if our business goes under, you'll be paid forever, you know? (laughs) And then there are business owners that are like, I think I've been doing pretty well for a few months. I feel like I'm plateauing. I need some support, but maybe only have a couple of extra months of savings in the bank or something like that. I think it's a really important balance in integrity and honesty with the people that you're bringing on your team regarding what they can expect. Um, So for example, if you have a business that's blowing up with growth and you're bringing someone on your team, I think it's okay to say, Hey, listen, like these are the goals for the company. And this is how much, you know, this is how long we've been kind of hitting these numbers. And we have retainer clients that are booked out for two years. So I know that I'm going to need your support during that time. Um, and bringing that in and making sure that they understand because it is up to the employee, the risks that they want to take and how risk averse they want to take when coming into a new field or a new industry. Um, however, you know, on the back end of things, we have seen some pretty problematic behavior with employees getting hired in businesses that don't necessarily, understand the risk that they're taking, or there's been a lot of conflation of success because that's a marketing tactic people use. Um, And so they don't understand that it could be a little bit unstable, in which case I think in those situations where maybe you don't work off of retainer or something along those lines, it's better to have more money saved up. Mm. Um, But don't let it hold you back. You know, like, don't be afraid to like put yourself out there and take a risk, but just be really honest with who you're bringing on your team. So 
maybe you're not hiring the single mom with five kids because they need something that's for sure going to be stable for the next few years. But that's her choice. That's not our choice to decide what's good for that candidate. So just being clear and honest is really the way to go. I mean, every business has risk and every job has risk. We, I mean, there was a pandemic. I hired, I let let go of 45 people in a day. Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing that could have protect, like protected anybody from that. And there's nothing we could have done to prevent it. And now we have the business back up and running and it's running functionally and it's great. And it's serving the communities that it was meant to serve, but there's, we had to make sacrifices in order to make sure that we could be here for the long run. And that's kind of hard to tell people mm-hmm. how, like what, what's going to be right for you. I don't know, mm-hmm. but I would say, don't lie. <laughs> you yeah. think that people would know that, but <laughs> yeah. By the way, just so everyone knows, Kara's talking about an in-person business near her in San Diego that could not yes. function <laughs> during COVID because of its in-person nature and, and just how close contact it is. Um, but yeah. th- that's what she's talking about. Not HR. You know, it's such a good point too. I never even thought about it, about like how online businesses and like everyone here knows how much I've talked about how like so much of what you see online isn't true or completely transparent at the very least. And how like, then I could see how that would lead to such a weird hiring situation, which I never thought about was like, if you're projecting to the world, like I'm making $80 billion on every launch and they don't understand what revenues versus like what net and all this kind of stuff. Um, yeah that I could see that creating a problem. And like you said, like everyone, we also take responsibility for like taking the job and and all of that. So I could see that being very much true. But I also feel like as, as CEOs, we have to be responsible not to be like, I'm having a moment. Like I'm like, things are blowing up temporarily and I'm just going to like fill this with a bunch of people. But Mm -hmm. I, I would be curious your, your take on it. Like, I feel like another mistake I see often too, is like people think that by hiring all these people, without training, without the proper systems, without the proper strategy and plan that the people themselves are going to somehow catapult their business forward. And then they end up firing everyone when that doesn't work out. Right. Yeah. I mean, it happens in every industry. It's, it's really tough. And, and sometimes you just can't do anything about it. But I think the really cool thing about having businesses like ours that are online based that have no like in-person overhead for the most part, um, besides software, which is apparently super expensive. You never Mm -hmm. would have thought, Mm -hmm. um, but it's not, you know, $90,000 for rent or something a month. So at the end of the day, I think that it's really interesting to, give ourselves some grace to understand that even though there's all these businesses that have these issues and whatever, we have to still be able to take risks, but it's about taking them responsibly and not dragging people through the mud. Mm -hmm. Um, and don't be afraid to take a little bit more of a risk than you normally would because we don't have overhead. So if the key to unlocking a new income level or Mm -hmm. a new way to serve your clients or to get you more creativity or to lend itself to you having a better life or whatever your reasoning is, all of which are equally valid, not all reasons to hire have to do with making more money. Um, Then I think it's really cool to kind of think about how we don't have to worry about paying that rent every month. And these businesses are inherently going to require a little bit less overhead. And we're going to be able to keep them going with a little bit more of a lean team than other businesses are often forced to do. And so taking a little risk and hiring somebody and trying to make the most out of the situation, put all of your effort into it is totally worth it in my opinion, because truly, I mean, whatever you hear, like most of the crap I hear online is like usually a lie um, mm-hmm. where people are like, I don't even have a team. It's like, yeah, yeah. you do. Or <laughs> yeah, you do. my team is 80 people. It's like, 
the number of people on a team somehow became a, became a vanity metric yeah. where I'm looking at that. And I'm like, really? Cause I think that the smartest businesses have a very lean team. Most of the businesses I look up to in the online space have an extremely lean team and it's built very strategically. Yeah. So I think at the end of the day, that's what builds that longevity and the number of people you have, it does not correlate with the amount of income that you're making. Just totally. like your number of Instagram followers doesn't either, unfortunately for some of us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> totally. So yeah. it's kind of weird. Like I just, I think it sucks because we have this really cool opportunity to build these amazing communities and we don't have to worry about that overhead. So we yeah. can use it to affect other people in a really positive way. Yeah. Um, and it's, those are real businesses can't be built on the back of one person and a bunch of contractors. That's just the way it is. Yeah. It's so true. I'm, yeah, I think that's a really cool way to look at it. Like we have this opportunity to pivot much faster and easier than, than an in-person business. And this is one Mm -hmm. of the areas where we can take advantage. Yeah. I I know like one thing um, you've talked about too, is like the kinds of policies and documents that you have to have in place before as a business owner, before you would take on a contractor or an employee. So can you talk about some of those things that people should be getting organized now, like as they're planning for this? Yeah. You know, I'm going to kind of spin this a little bit because I think people are going to assume that I'm going to say they need an employee handbook, mm. but I'm not. <laughs> when Spoiler you, alert. If you go online, I'd rather you not have one. It's not legally required. Mm. Um, and instead just have like really solid contracts in place that you can get from someone like Sam, like you're protecting your intellectual property and getting your trademark situated and all of that stuff is going to be a little bit more important in my opinion than getting an employee handbook. Because if you download it and even, well, unless we make it for you, but (laughs) if you just like download one online or go and get a template, like we don't, we don't actually sell employee handbook templates as much as we've tried to, they just never work. Mm. Um, because it, when you put out something that is like what we build for an employee handbook, which is very specific and it's very strategic and it's very about culture and it's also legally binding in a lot of cases, then you can't just download it and then have people sign it without understanding what's in it. Cause you're not only holding them to a certain standard, but you're holding yourself to a standard. Yeah. So if you don't know what any of it means, then don't do that. But you know, like I'd you don't have to have one. So don't do it until you're ready to really have it be a thoughtful like process that you understand and that you can speak to, that you can stand behind, that's driving more purpose than just here's some policies you have to follow. That's really not that effective. It's not good to do that. So I think generally protecting the intellectual property and legal side and all the things that you teach is really the first thing, first and foremost. And then from there, of course, there's some pretty basic stuff and getting a really solid payroll company that you can trust is going to help to make sure that you're getting the right pieces of paper into an employee file. Mm. Um, However, there are a lot of gaps in that too. So just make sure that if you are trying to DIY your HR, then you can use all these resources that you have available to you, but you will still need to make sure that you're getting some extra support because every state actually requires you to do different things when it comes to even where you store people's stuff or where you, how long you keep it. Or like I had an employee or a client that, um, came to us for like, we do a yearly audit with all of our clients and then a couple of their employee files were gone. And I was like, where are they? And they're like, oh, they quit. And I'm like, we have to hold on to those for six years and 31 days. <laughs> like, you, know, it's like this, you live in this state. Like that means we have these compliance requirements. So like, it's really hard to say like what exactly somebody needs. So I'd rather somebody just be really thoughtful and strategic about the person that they're bringing on their team 
make sure that they're not skimping on making sure that they're providing what they need to make sure that their team is engaged, including their own time and energy and training. Um, And first and foremost, protecting your business, protect your business first so that no matter what happens with your team member, you're able to still have a business afterwards because there's a lot of employment lawsuits and there are a lot of penalties paid that you don't hear online business owners talk about, but we know them all because mm-hmm. they have to come and find us eventually. Mm-hmm. And we, I don't, I mean, I don't want that. I want to help people before they have those penalties and the fun part, like we did with the strategy and finding the person and having the success stories, like cleaning up messes is not what we're trying to do here either. So yeah, same. this is why I'm not a lawyer anymore. Um, very similar. Yeah. That's, that's super helpful. And so if someone's taking on though, their first contractor, like say like the VA role that we were just talking about, then they need to send them a W9 that they need signed and sent back and the independent contractor contract, like a, something like what I sell for it. Yeah. And I think, I've heard, I don't know, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this because I've heard that we're supposed to always use the contractor's contract, but sometimes they don't have them. Is that yeah. like the why we have our own too that comes it's, into play? It's kind of up in the air. So, you know, as a, like when we were, pra- like when I was practicing attorney, we would always say like, oh, it's always better to force the other person to send you the contract because you're por- forcing them to pay for the lawyer to draft the contract. That was kind of the thought <laughs> process behind it. For me, at least, like my just my like two cents on it. There's no there's no right or wrong. If your contractor has it, then great. But then my issue would be like, do you know how to review it to make sure that that contract actually protects you? Because I think mm-hmm. at the crux of this whole conversation is the fact that some people don't know that contracts are written from one person's perspective. Like it's advantageous usually to the sender. And so mm-hmm. if if you're relying on your contractor to send you a contract, it's probably going to advantage them. So, and contracts are also up for negotiation. Like you can say like, hey, I want to change this figure, this number, this whatever, this length of time. And so you would, if you feel comfortable doing that, great. If not, and like, I guess what came up for me at least was like, depending on the contractor role, I was like, if they're seeing any of like my content or like trade secrets, like things behind the scenes of how the nuts and bolts of how things work, I want to make sure like that intellectual property stuff is tight. I want to make sure like the password protection like clauses in there. Um, so many different things, right? And that you're really, I, I guess the way I also thought about it was as a business owner, the liability is really on you to making sure that they're properly classified as a contractor and that they understand like you're not paying their taxes. You know, you are not controlling their time, that they understand that and blah, blah, blah. And like, I didn't want to rely on them and probably their crappy contract that they were going to send me because they tend mm-hmm. to be really, really bad. Like I contractors, mm-hmm. every time we hire a contractor, they send us their contract and are like, please don't yell at me. And they look at it <laughs> and then we're just like, sign ours. This is terrible. So it's just, it, it just is. So that that's kind of the, the like framework that I would look through is like, if you feel comfortable reviewing it though, you got to review it to make sure it protects you. I also like you sending yours. No, I do not recommend sending both. A lot of times people will write to us and ask, can I sign theirs and then send them mine too? And it's like, oh gosh, no. Because that's just like a nightmare scenario where now we have two contracts and what happens if they say different things? And we can't, yeah, we can't. So we just do one and it's really up to you to choose. Um, You'll find that a lot of contractors don't really have very good ones if they have one at all. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's tough because we can't, you know, I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not going to try to like step into that field, I guess. So that's one of the things that we always like to refer. Well, yeah. all of our, like a lot of our referral partners are lawyers. Cause they're like, yeah. 
here you go. But now Kira will help you with all that other stuff we don't want to do. Yeah. Um, and same with accountants too, because we're like kind of snugly right in the middle of both mm-hmm. of you guys. Um, but it's really interesting because when it comes to the contracts, there's been times when I've been in programs and they've like had an independent contractor agreement that was licensed to the program that you could just take and use and, or things like that. And it's always been really weird because we don't really know how to review them. Like, I just feel like it's really good to have a lawyer that you can contact at any given time. Um, so, I mean, I think when it comes to contractors, I generally would lean more towards your lawyer will help you with that versus HR will help you with that. Um, and then when you're starting to get to that point where you're like, how do I classify this person? It doesn't feel like it falls within the contractor realm of things. Then that's when you have to start looking at things through an HR lens. And we don't really do contracts as much as we do agreements because there's actually laws about us not being able to have people under a contract, like at will employment and things like that. So it's really more about, it can be about what people are signing, but it's really more about making sure everyone is educated and that the team feels comfortable and knows that they have a neutral resource and the employer is taking care of them and their rights as an employee. And that they, they are confident that their new boss understands the jurisdiction in which they live under and the Mm. rights that they're allowed and, you know, little things like that. Because if you start to show holes in your knowledge of what's actually required, where depending on where you have employees, then, and I'm not saying most employees will do this or even, you know, a huge percentage of them, but things can go bad, especially when it comes to people's jobs and their livelihoods. And you would never think it like in one month, you might be at a drag show doing you know, a team building with your team. And the next month they could be threatening to sue you because you didn't send them their final pay in time because now they're out of a job and it's a totally different mindset than I'm having such a great time working for this person. Yeah, And I've just seen it go bad so many times. And so sometimes it can be hard to be really positive because I think that most of the time having an employee is such a positive experience and it fills so many gaps in so many areas. And you know, all that good stuff. But I mean, it, it is a responsibility and you have to take it seriously and you have to show your team that you are taking it seriously. You didn't just download something off of, I've had somebody like send me a contract that was like fully like from England. Oh no. <laughs> and I was like, um, I don't think so. Well, like I all just I, agree to stop downloading free <laughs> contracts, please for my sake. I swear. Yeah. Uh, and did you read it? Cause it's, it's like, awful. not. it has some other business name in it. Like they fully like took it from somebody else. I was like, that's that not my company, right. dude. Yeah, um, that sounds about right. I like when like, I find my website policies. We find my website policies on other people's websites, and they have my name still in it, which is one of my favorite things ever. <laughs> um, it's just oh like, god, wow. that was a very special form of theft. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! But yeah, we, we here and I could have our own show dedicated to like bloopers, like HR bloopers, <laughs> legal bloopers. We could have like a whole situation here. Um, yeah, I, I, you've mentioned a couple times today, uh, and I I feel like I wouldn't have fully understood this before, but you've mentioned a few times about how much hiring helps to grow our businesses. And I was reading, I'll link to it um, below for you guys, but I was reading one of the blog posts on your site, which you guys have such great resources on the site about like not hiring for the hemorrhage, which I thought was so helpful. So like, and like instead thinking about long-term strategy and growth and making sure you have enough to keep this person not only busy, but growing like in the role Mm -hmm. and growing the business. Can you talk a little bit about how hiring the right people helps us to grow our businesses. Yeah. I mean, I think, gosh, there's, I have so many like examples of this just within our clients or even my own experience. So 
just to keep it safe, I'll just talk about my own experience. Um, but for example, I was in a really weird spot. I put off hiring an employee for my own business way too long. It, I understand all the fear and all the anxiety and everything that comes with it. Um, I had a contractor working for me. There was a whole bunch of deadlines that were missed. And it was just like month-long deadlines that weren't... like We were, of course, legal and everything, but we were just not compatible anymore. And it was a totally fine situation. Like I, she just recently got married. Like we, she shares anytime I'm featured in anything, she's so supportive. Like, you know, it's a great relationship. And I think that at the end of the day, when you're able to create a situation where you can, where you're focused on growth, you're actually able to put contractors and employees in a position to really have that camaraderie that comes Mm. with that relationship. So my contractor went away and then I had to find somebody to help me fill those holes because our business was rapidly expanding. And I put out an ad, it was a very basic thing. And I had 200 applicants and, you know, I put a lot of like very abrasive opinions in there because they're, I just want people to agree with me sometimes. Um, and just wanted to make sure that, you know, I had something set up that was going to show what it's really like to work in a business that is women forward and that we do lean a certain way politically. And it's a huge thing in our company culture. And we're always going to support LGBTQ people and things like that. Um, like black lives matter was like within the first couple lines of the, of the ad. And it repels people that are not going to be interested in the job right away, but it also brings people in that are, and that's how I found Kylie. So, you know, Kylie, she applied for just, she's great. She's a marketing. She started out as a marketing and ops assistant. And I was basically like, okay, I just need you to do all this stuff so I can focus fully on client work. But I had so many applicants that came in. And the reason that Kylie stood out was that she has a master's in HR and it was more about the trajectory of her growth within the business. And the thing that she sent me was literally, I'm not even looking for a job. I'm on vacation. I can't even send you my resume or application right now, but please don't fill this position until I can apply officially. That was like her first communication with me. I like screenshot of it saved. It's like in my happy folder. And that was exactly a year ago this Friday. So we're at the end of September. So, so cool. Um, And now she has been promoted twice and is definitely not an assistant anymore. She's our lead HR and ops strategist. And the reason that we took those steps was not because I had to teach her everything within the process, but she was hired because of her dedication to our mission and our company as a whole. And so she was ready to grow with a company. And that was something that I knew was going to happen. I just Mm. needed to make sure that I was filling up some of the tasks that needed to be done so I could better serve my clients at the time. But at the end of the day, when it came down to the final five candidates, going with the person that was going to grow in the way that I thought would most benefit the business was the decision that I decided to make. Not to mention, we just totally hit it off. I mean, it's like kind of creepy how similar we are, even though we live on totally different sides of the company. It's like wild. So uh, I'd like to say that I got lucky. And I also want to like pat myself on the back a little bit for the strategy, because it's very rare that you would find a situation where you have somebody that jumps out at you and doesn't apply correctly to the job, but is the exact right person for the position. And I have seen people that will kind of cut people out because of mm. things like that. Or there's these, there's this funny thing that people do where they're like, hide a secret word in a job ad and be like, oh, if you tell me what the secret word is, then I'll interview you. But like, that's not really great for people that have dyslexia or with mm. alternative abilities or ADHD or you know stuff like that. So those little things, like when you start to consider what 
you really want in an employee. And especially if you want them to grow at the end of the day, like who cares if they didn't see that, like the word pineapple or shih tzu or something was in the middle of the job (laughs) ad. Like, that's not what I have Kylie for, you know, but if I was looking for somebody to do proofreading and copywriting, then that would be totally relevant. So I think that that's one of the big things is that you can put out the job posting for exactly what you need, but then Mm. you can fill it with a candidate that lends itself to where you see your business going. And I think for your first employee, it can be so cool because you might, you'll start to see these possibilities as you start to take these steps. And then when you start to meet the people, it can be a really empowering and like, kind of like goosebumpy feeling to be like, Oh my gosh, my business is going to like do everything I ever wanted it to. And I'm going to be able to like go to bed earlier, like have dinner with my kids or my husband or like, take weekends off or, you know, whatever the situation might've been. And I just thought that was like such a good example of choosing a candidate, not only because she could check the things off the list with very little to no training, but also because of like her growth trajectory and where she's going. And I think it's worked out great, you know, knock on wood, like now this podcast is going to come out. She's going to be like, I've been offered a (laughs) <laughs> multi six figure position because of Sam's podcast taking me away. <laughs> Kylie, you stay right where you are. Do not leave. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot be I responsible know. for this. <laughs> and plus, Lindsay, I love YouTube. working. Yeah, Lindsay's not yeah. allowed. I've I've told her that many times. She knows. She knows the deal. I've I've put yeah. in the enforcement already. <laughs> I love you. You're not going anywhere. Uh, yeah, and I think there's this analogy I heard that I think comes up a lot when people are hiring for the first time because we are actually ingrained with all these super harm corporate like tricks and stuff that we have to kind of unlearn and get rid of. We don't even realize that they're not necessary. So I heard this analogy. I use it for almost every problem I have in my life. But like, if you have a handful of sand and you try to hold on to it as tightly as you can, it's going to slip through your fingers. But if you're able to like be flexible and have it loose and just kind of like carrying around a handful of sand for whatever reason, then the sand's going to last a lot longer. Like you may not keep every single piece of it, but you're also going to be able to kind of adapt and let people be who they really are and adapt to the position. And she, Kylie grew that position more than I ever thought was possible. And then it totally snowballs into the rest of the team. We had an intern that's Mm -hmm. now an employee that is now that position was replaced by an employee when Mallory's contract ended. I mean, interns, that's the thing is they're so young, wild and free. (laughs) (laughs) Their whole life's ahead of them. We're just old ladies that are washed up. Yeah, it's a cultural thing too, where you're like, I can really be who I am. And Kylie is there to like back me up and Mm -hmm. in any decision we make. And she interviewed all of our team members when we hired again. And like, you just... I don't know, just kind of lean into it a little bit and be okay with there being changes and don't like attach yourself to permanence because people don't want that. They want to grow even if they don't say it. Yeah, that's true. And we can't, we can't control what other people do. It's like, all Mm -hmm. we can do is show up and be the best and try to make it. And I like, I don't want to recreate my corporate experience. Like that's something I think about a lot is that like, I think there's this, you know, like instinct to want to like be all serious and professional or whatever. And I'm like, I left that shit behind. Mm-hmm. I'm not going back to that. I don't want to create that kind of environment for them mm-hmm. or for myself. So yeah. I think that's all. Speaking of environment, by the way, I was thinking like preparing for us chatting today. I was thinking about like, is it ever too early to be creating a company culture or thinking about a company culture? Like, is that someone something that somebody should be working on when it's just them? That's a good question. We actually talked about this in our management foundations course this last week, because I think that it all 
kind of stems from boundaries in a way, Mm -hmm. because our boundaries are usually going to be the thing that's keeping us healthy. And so it also can be translated over to our business and our culture. We want to set it up so that it lends itself to having healthy boundaries and a healthy business model. And, you know, we're always capitalizing on our strengths and things like that. But there is a part of a company culture that is going to be ever evolving. So what you might think as a solopreneur or a business just starting out or you know however you see yourself freelance or whatever is what you want your company culture to feel like it is supposed to change because it's based on you and within small businesses especially with our businesses less than 10 employees it is so indicative of what the CEO is driving yeah so i think i've seen cultures that are really built on constant and like kind of overwhelming change and so there's a certain type of team member that that attracts And I've seen other cultures that are very stable and stagnant, and they might not even talk to the CEO that often. Um, Like their, you know, experience is going to be a little bit more dictated by their tasks that they're doing and the clients that they're serving. And neither is wrong, but there's going to be different times in your life that your business is going to call for different needs from you. And the Mm -hmm. culture has to be able to evolve and change, but our values and our mission and who we really are probably won't. So when I teach this leadership and management course, it's not about how to talk to other people. It's how to understand ourselves because we are going to need to be as authentic as possible when we're showing up for other people and leading them. And if we can't know who that really is, and we're just like putting on a front or absorbing what other people are saying to us or whatever the case may be, then we're not going to have an authentic culture. And it's going to feel like you're constantly acting to keep it up. Mm. And I think like, there is no reason that you can't have a culture that swears or that you can't have a culture that is super flexible, or you can't have a culture that's like kind of always running a little late (laughs) or, you know, like there's no reason that you can't have all that. But Mm. I think like being honest with yourself about it is going to attract the people that are going to compliment it. Mm. And that's really hard to know. But as a business owner, I've never learned more about myself than I have in the last two and a half years versus working in corporate for 13. So if I would have said, yeah, my company culture is this, like back when I first started this business, I was all my experience is working for someone else and Mm -hmm. making the culture as great as it can be within the confines of what their mission was. So it's totally different. And like being able to take some time to like think about it and think how you like to work and who you are is really what's going to drive the culture. So working on yourself is, I mean, you can plan for it. You can write stuff down. Like you can have a mission and vision and values to jump off from, but, and all that's really important, but it's really like, if somebody were to ask you what you do, but, and mm. you're able to tell them, and then they're just going to say, why do you do it? That's your real mission and your vision. Like, it's not really like what sounds pretty on paper, you know, that kind of a thing. So For sure. I think that's really hard, you know, because mm-hmm. it's hard to know yourself from like an outside perspective until you actually have the team in place. But I don't know. When did you start thinking about it? I think that I, in, in hearing you describe it, I think that what I did accidental like I wasn't doing this on purpose but that ended like most things in my life that end up being like it ended up paying off for me but I didn't I didn't know I was doing it at the time was that I got really clear on my my the company's values which I think like I would mm-hmm. encourage people to treat their business like a business it's an entity outside of yourself I mean both legally and then like literally uh so that mm-hmm. is not like a personal brand unless you're like a blogger influencer kind of thing and so Within that, I did spend a lot of time. And like you said, though, Kira, I was like really flexible to it too, because I, w- I was like open to the fact that I was learning as I was going. Right. Mm-hmm. But for me, like the company itself had such like 
I was so clear on the fact that I wanted to make legal accessible. I wanted it to be like more fun and I wanted it to be smart and like, you know, all these things, but that like that it was just me for four plus years. So how does that translate? So for me, it was like creating content and and the products and yada, yada. But then I see now how like when Lindsay came in or other contractors even came in, it was like, hey, by the way, like this is what we stand for. Any kind of thing that you put out there, if you're responsible for like carrying the ball and like a video of some sort that we're getting out there, you better damn make sure that that video has closed captions because like accessibility means this, this, and this to us. It's not just about my products being accessible. Mm -hmm. It's also about the content being accessible, like these kinds Mm -hmm. of things. Right. And so I've seen how much like that has really paid off of like a, this is who we are. And like, and Mm -hmm. that, and then that translated into company culture when other people came on board. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much like, I don't know. I feel like there's so much language about what we, what people's values are and what they should be doing. And, you know, it's really hard sometimes to like sort through it in your own mind. Like, Mm. how do I want to be seen versus how do I want my team to act? Mm. And we have this thing in our process where, which, you know, you obviously went through where you have your internal values that are going to be a little bit more specific to how like a code of conduct or how somebody behaves um, day to day in the job and the external values. So like what the clients see may not look exactly like what is internal, but they usually have a pretty big overlap. Um, And it helps a lot because you can always make sure and fall back on those if they're really clear and straightforward. They don't have to be this like, you know, sonnet or whatever, like we sometimes will see. It can just be something as simple as, I started this business because I wanted people to have access to legal and have real businesses and be successful. And that no matter what their background is, if they have learning disabilities, if they have, you know, whatever the case may be, that is what we're always going to act on. And I think we have to know ourselves in order to know what those things are that are really important because people can tell if you're faking it and building trust with your team is so important. And we don't do it by saying words. We do it by our actions. So being able to back that up is super important. Yeah. And I, I would encourage any of you who are right now not in a position where like you have a team or you're not ready to hire quite yet, but start working on this internally for like the client facing experience. Like I know I even started out just as simply as thinking like, what did I want it to feel like to land on my website? Like what emotions did I want to invoke? And like, I would really dream that up and think that up. And I created my website from the start. And so it was like, I, I mean, down to the colors, the clothes that I was wearing in the photos, the fonts I was using, I wanted them to be a little softer and not so harsh, right. To not convey Mm. this like stress about, about legal. And then it started translating into like how I delivered my content and how people experience my products, that how they experienced the customer service. And it kept going. I had this idea that I wanted everybody to feel like we were just sitting, having a cup of coffee. And like, I was just being like, oh, hey, Kara, here's what you need to know about like doing this. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that still rings true to me today. And then now I see like the team has picked that up of like, hey, like we don't do things like that. Like we, this is kind of like chill vibes. This is what we do. And, and yeah. Sam's not going to like that. Or like, this isn't going to mm-hmm. go well. That's not our kind of sponsor that we want or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it, it really helps. Yeah. 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 It's so hard to like define it. Like I feel like there's, there's a lot of content we create about like how to create a company culture and stuff like that. And it's kind of counterintuitive because honestly, every single time we talk about it, it's just like, well, tell me who you are. Like, Mm -hmm. do you like to work at night? Do you like to be available only in the morning? Like, is your priority, your family is your priority, your, you know, I had a client that has a chronic illness. And so part of her culture is that they show up when they can and they hold each other to that standard to like do their absolute best when they're able to show up. And then when they can't, 
that's okay. The, but the business can adapt and change. Whereas that wouldn't work in my culture because I have to like push stuff out there, you know, like that's the way I like to work. And so it's really interesting because sometimes it takes looking at like the icky parts of ourselves or the things that other people look down on, or even like if we've gotten feedback as bosses before or whatever, it takes that looking at that to say, yeah, like I can take that feedback and, and use that to reinforce that I want my culture to look like this. Like if I've gotten feedback in the past, that's like, oh, I, I just never know if you're being funny or not. And I'm like, I'm always being funny. Like I was like, if, if it went in doubt, like I'm being hilarious, you know, but it's like those little moments of like that person, if I were able to bring them into a culture that I built, then I wouldn't get that feedback. They would be excited about being in an environment that's a little bit more lighthearted mm-hmm. um, or even just like fast paced. Like if, you know, you are a person that really enjoys working at a really fast pace, that's not necessarily something that is super toxic. Like it can just mean like, I'm going to get the people that are really drawn to that, that are going to be like, I love working on a bunch of things at once. Like I love having new ideas. I love being able to have a voice. Like those are not bad things. It's just that some people are not going to align with them and that's totally fine. So like be honest and real about it and it'll be so great. I love my company culture. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think this has probably been so helpful for people, I hope. And uh, this, this for me has been the year too of declaring, like, I'm going to stop apologizing. Like you've talked so much about the things like not being wrong or bad. It's just like different and being clear and upfront about who you are. So you attract the people who are attracted to that vibe. Mm -hmm. And I feel like for me, that it's like the year of like stopping apologizing for being like hyper ambitious and, and also for having a commitment to excellence. I was just telling you this the other day that like, I've, I realized like I have like with the business to careful to find line between like, I don't want the team to be like, Oh, we can't make mistakes or things have to be perfect, which is not what I mean, but we do have a commitment to excellence. Like everything should be like top of our game. And I expect like everything is getting like reviewed and quality control. And we're like doing the best we can all the time um, and learning from mistakes and like, I'm not apologizing for that anymore. I decided uh, recently, <laughs> I was like, that's just how I am. Like, I want to be really, really good at this. And I want to like be super valuable to other people. And I'm not going to apologize for that anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. And there's yeah. like a healthy way, I think, to create that culture. So I'm definitely learning too. I think this has been so helpful. Um, I'm very excited to ask you if you're up for a little fun round of would you rather questions <laughs> before as we go today. As long as it's not going to get me in trouble. <laughs> no, there will be, there will be no HR issues from this. Uh, your HR department will not be calling you about this. So don't worry. Um, okay. Drum roll, please. Would you rather, I think I know the answers to most of these. Would you rather read fiction or nonfiction? Fiction. Mm. Would you rather live? <laughs> well, wait, have you read anything lately that you loved? Nonfiction or fiction? Perfect. Well, I, guess I do try to read like, you know, business smart e-books. stuff, but um, my, okay. So this is really weird, but so I started reading this book about, it's called the court of thorns and roses. And it was with a couple of my coworkers and it's very dorky. And there's like five of them yeah. in a series and it's very smutty. <laughs> and so then we decided to have this book club for other series called throne of glass. And the author's name is Sarah J mass and uh, not quite as smutty, but it's seven books. We were going to have a book club meeting. My friend lives in Seattle. She was going to come down to San Diego just to like visit in general. Her family lives here, all that good stuff. She started looking up flights and realized that the flights were more expensive than even if we went to New York where she's never been. 
So somehow our book club meeting got me going to New York this weekend. Oh, yeah, right. So, right. Yeah. so it's like a seven series, a seven book series, it's like very fantasy and like not my normal style of things. But I really feel like it's just like such a good escape. And like, it's about this, like, you know, all these dorky things that I never knew about, like weird dragons and stuff. And I'm like, whoa, my husband like walks in and I'm like, it's either something weird about fairies or like some smutty scene. And he's like, like I'm like listening to it and I'm like, <laughs> like pause. <laughs> yeah, I've been like loving those. I've been like obsessed with those books for like months now, but I just feel a lot of pressure because of the book club. I hear it. I well, that's what book clubs are good for. Yeah, yeah. it gets you it gets you motivated, it holds you accountable. That's yeah. that's awesome. All right, cool. The, I think it's fun to like read stuff outside of what you would normally read. It pushes you. Um, what yeah. about would you rather live at the beach, the mountains, or the desert? The beach. <laughs> Obviously. Come on. Yeah. You're not a monster. Um, <laughs> would you rather order coffee or tea? Coffee. Would you rather clean up as you go or clean up at the end when it comes to cooking? <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> I mean, I would rather be the person that cleans up as you go, but I am the person that cleans up at the end. And by that, I mean, my husband does it. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect answer. <laughs> All right. Well, this is a good, the last one is a good one to ask you before you go to New York. Would you rather hit up a fancy restaurant or the best food truck? Oh, that is so hard. Oh my God. That is literally the hardest question I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> You're going to have to answer this before you go to New York because you're going to have options. <laughs> I know. Well, I think I have, for this case, I think I have to say a fancy restaurant just because that's where my mind is at because we're going to like Carbone and Butter and stuff. Oh, cool. So if that's I said right. food truck, that would be like a huge betrayal of all my plans in three days. This is true. Yeah, there's a lot There's a lot to eat in New York. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's just something to the experience of a restaurant. I mean, I love food trucks too. I'm just, I'm so torn about the whole thing, but it's a tough one. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. is hard. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe I've just been eating too much taco shop. I mean, I'm in San Diego. It's so like basically yeah. eat like once a week. Yeah. Maybe I've just been eating too much of that lately. So I'm just like really in the mood for somebody to give me like a piece of pear on a plate with like some ricotta <laughs> cheese and like a slice of pepper or something. And maybe like, oh my God, it's the best thing I've ever tasted. Yeah, well, get get ready for New York. You'll have plenty, you'll have plenty of little things dotted on a plate. You'll be all good to go. Don't worry. Oh, uh, well, Kira, wait. this has been so much fun chatting with you today. Will you let everyone know where to find you more online, how they can work with you, all those kinds of things? Yeah. So Instagram is obviously the place that I hang out the most. And that is at the paradigm with two M's at the end. Um, and we also, our website, the hyphen paradigm.com has so many resources. I get a lot of messages from people that are like, I downloaded everything for free on your website. Where do I pay for things? Um, so I think those are all really good resources in our blog too, which you can just get to from the homepage. And then of course we have our workshop that came out. So I'm sure you'll share a link to that too which is essentially 90 minutes of me telling you exactly what to do to make sure that you don't mess up when you hire your first person. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a pretty important workshop that you should all go watch. So um, Kara has a new workshop called How to Start a Team. It's a free workshop that I'll link to below so you guys can go watch that. I think it's going to be so helpful for so many people. And personally, I would suggest watching it on the early end. Like if you think you're not ready for it yet, I'd rather you watch it now and then have to like rewatch it later. I think to like get those things in place. So just like with legal, you don't want to do stuff first, then have to undo it or do things wrong. So it's it's just better off that way. Trust me. Yeah. yeah agreed. Yeah. 100%. Exactly. Thank you so much for being here. This was so fun. Yeah. Thanks for having me. 
Thanks so much for listening to the On Your Terms podcast. Make sure to follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can also check out all of our podcast episodes, show notes, links, and more at samvanderreelen.com slash podcast. You can learn more about legally protecting your business and take my free legal workshop, Five Steps to Legally Protect and Grow Your Online Business at samvanderreelen.com. And to stay connected and follow along, follow me on Instagram at samvanderreelen and send me a DM to say hi. 